0: Hello and welcome to or welcome back to Lunch with Auntie. Lunch with Auntie is my podcast where I interview people in a variety of fields, each very successful in their own way. And really dive down into the questions, what do you do and how did you get there? Whenever I'm back in Singapore, my mum always says I have to meet with one of her friends, Auntie So-and-so or Uncle So-and-so to try and figure out what they do. I've been lucky enough to be surrounded by these brilliant successful people throughout my entire life but I've always found it easy just to know she's an oil or she's a banker rather than actually ask questions to these exceptional people. Now as a 17 year old um, just about to head to university I am getting to the stage where I need to start deciding really what I want to do with my life or at least what my first career is going to be and I thought a good place to start is by finding out what the people around me actually do. And I thought, why not make these lunches educational for more than just myself, but for others as well? So I decided to create this podcast. Today's guest is Auntie Helene. She is in the food distribution sector in Singapore, Hong Kong, and the Middle East. Um, she runs a company called Indoguana, and she is an absolute role model to everyone around her, a strong, independent, powerful woman. And I massively look up to her. We're supposed to be going out for lunch, but due to the whole um, COVID-19 situation, this is not really a possibility. Uh, so to keep with the social distancing measures and the circuit breaker protocol that Singapore has implemented, we are going to be having a lunch over Zoom uh, to and just an informal chat about everything from how she her company is dealing with the COVID-19 situation and really what it means to be in food distribution and how she went from growing up in Hong Kong to being educated in Canada and then coming back and running this multinational successful food distribution company. So thank you for coming on today, Auntie Helene. I would just love to, as a first question, just hear a little bit about your story and your journey and how you got into the food distribution industry in general.
1: The only reason why I'm in this business today, we're in the food business We are importers, we scour scour around the world to look for the best producers to supply to restaurants, hotels, and all the food ingredients. We're also a food manufacturer where we process and produce products like sausages, cold cuts, hams. Uh, We have two factories, one in Dubai, one in Singapore. Um, Actually, the only reason why I'm in this business, I guess, is because my mother started a similar business Of this sort about 40 years ago in Hong Kong okay and uh, since we were young we um, were um, we were basically taken to every event uh, every food tasting that we can on the weekends and on school holidays with my mother to to, um, experience I guess also because my father was traveling a lot and my mom didn't want uh, my sister and myself to stay at home or be with a maid. so she took us basically everywhere with, whenever she can during our holidays and um, school breaks and things like and on the weekends so she was they were the one i guess in the in the 70s and 80s they were one of the first few companies to bring western ingredients to hong kong okay. and that's i'm talking about like cheeses and um, Western ingredients, like even at that time, raspberries, blueberries, all these things are quite exotic, um, but they were the first company to import those products and start supplying to the um to the uh, food service uh, i guess hotels restaurants and we and we were kids, we learned a lot from that on the weekends. We always have um, tastings and and uh, like I was very young, and I knew a lot about French and Italian cheeses already where at that time the society was pretty much very Asian, especially as yeah. my mother, as a woman, um, it's it's not easy to get into the business world, let alone like a lot of Western influence products and, and businesses. But I guess that's how we started about well, how I started and um, never left the industry, have always been working with her during school holidays. And ultimately I came to Singapore on my own uh, uh, interest. Also, one of the things I wanted to do was to try to step away from the family thing for a bit and um, did my own thing. Um, but ultimately, in the last 25 years, I would say that um, the businesses between Hong Kong, Singapore, we also started a business in Dubai, where we consolidated and um, started working together as a family. Yeah. So indiguna, the company that I'm with uh, was actually started by another lady in Indonesia. Um, but we were all working together at some point in time because they were customers of ours from Hong Kong. And in some ways, we found a common interest to work together in the late in the middle 90s when I came to Singapore and uh, basically started the, the business with the founder of indiguna. Actually, she started in in Indonesia about 45 years ago, something like that. Okay. And Singapore was the offshoot. And Singapore at that time when I came here was very behind. Everything was like um, very behind to what I was used to in Hong Kong in terms of food ingredients and what people are, are using in their restaurants. But nevertheless, we always think that um, quality has a place in the world Mm-hmm. Regardless whether you're in a cheap market or you're in a, in a high-end market, there's always a, a community that prefers a better quality of products in terms for eating. And, and that's how we started. We basically followed that philosophy from that day onwards to today. Still, quality has been our first very utmost priority in how we select our products. And I think one of the things about our businesses around Hong Kong, Singapore and Dubai that is that all these countries rely a lot on imported goods. Yeah. So there's not so much about like local produce or own resources like you would have in the North America or Europe that you have your own resources that all these countries, it really relies on imported goods uh, on, in terms of consistent supply so our job was really about finding the best products around the world to come and offer it to the chefs and the restaurateurs and, the and uh, operators as to the ingredients that we can offer. And of course, as time goes by, Singapore becomes more and more sophisticated. Yeah. Our job becomes also much more interesting because as we find good products around everywhere, um, people are more receptive to Uh, higher quality products and uh, not only looking for price is the first priority when they when they do things so that's where the interesting part of Singapore came
0: how do you think that maybe um like changing food trends you know you had keto for a while and then you had veganism and then you had all this other stuff um how do you think that that does that did that change your business in any way
1: Oh no, definitely. I mean, this is also part part of our research and uh, development these days. is much into like getting the best um, ideas in the most trendiest. I mean, we look outside of our operating countries to see what the trends are. So like vegan and uh, uh, gluten-free and all this are also part of our R&D constantly about producing or looking for products that are of that nature to mm-hmm. cater to the demands of what the market needs. I mean, if I tell you you know, 15 years ago what people are looking for to 15 years today, just, just even just meat for long has a huge difference in terms of what people are asking for. So today it's no surprise that every year there's always different trends Mm
0: -hmm. and the
1: age group difference, people educated differently. Uh, All these are very big um, um, uh, changes in people's diet. And uh, we see very, very um, uh, clearly as to how things have been moving in the last 20 years, 25 years as to what people are looking for. So indeed it's true that these new trends uh, definitely not something um, like, uh, how do you say, like an ad hoc thing, I believe, that I think is all going to stay. Because, yes. I mean, you're the age group where you know that these are more and more important topics. Whereas in our age group, or my parents' age group, they hardly talk about these things, right? So yeah. definitely, that's um, it's a whole new world of diet and uh, demands, uh, differences.
0: I, yeah, I found it very interesting when you talked about how Singapore and Hong Kong, I've lived in both. Um, I'm very happy to have lived in both. Um, we can't really source locally. Um, in comparison to when I go to see my pet, like my grandparents in Ireland, everything's about let's get local produce in Ireland. You know? So it's a very, very different market. So do you feel as though if you're, if you're gonna expand this, you're gonna expand it into countries that um, can't really have their own local produce?
1: um i guess in our geographic terms of where we operate uh, naturally it is so for example in the middle east we don't have produce all around so the whole region relies on imported produce so we're operating in um dubai which is the center of middle east now we um also supply to neighborhood countries like kuwait bahrain saudi arabia abu dhabi oman all these countries have very little resources. They do have some, but not enough to supply mm-hmm. the country, obviously, plus the big tourism numbers that normally um, uh, visits those countries. So, yeah, we do. But in saying, like, uh, do we only expand on, on places? I, I think that just because we're in Asia and Middle East, it is particularly so because there's a huge Um, demand of international or European or Western products where it cannot be sourced here. Also because of people being very educated, very well traveled, and also the big tourism industry that exists in this part of the world. I guess if we operate like, let's say in the US, our job is not much difference, except the fact that, okay, it is locally sourced, but we are still gonna go and look for the best producers, the best farmers that they can um, provide products for us. It's just that because yeah. we operate in this region, that well, yes, we import everything. But if I were to have a company in Canada or USA, I think the job is still the same of looking for everybody uh, around the the wherever we could get uh, good products to supply to our clients. Because ultimately, our business is really about you know when we come to a client and we go to a customer, we want to be proud of what we present. Yeah, we want to be um, sure that every time we go to a customers. They know that if somebody comes and present a product, they know that um, the product definitely has to have some sort of quality standard. We don't just throw things out to the marketplace because we can make some money out of it. We really do a lot of valuation and we do a lot of uh, internal R&D before we put a product out in the marketplace. So this this won't change in terms of wherever we're based. We're still going to look for the best producers to um, supply us so that we can in turn offer the products to the customers now they're very very interesting so it's all about quality rather than like scalability yeah or... well I mean for all these years right it's not it's not easy to do a business of quality just for quality because at first it takes a long time to convince buyers to say that why you have to pay more money So you need to have time and you do have knowledge. You have to have uh, confidence to present a product that is not the cheapest in the marketplace. And you need to be able to basically have buy-ins from your clients that, hey, yes, I'm willing to pay 20% more, 30% more for your product because it's good. So that takes a process and takes um, 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 quite a lot of work to get there. But we believe that once you get there, Quality is always what brings back customers and not the price.
0: Yeah. So you talk about moving from, well, you had your original base, like Indonesia, Singapore, um, Hong Kong, Asian markets, and then you moved to the Middle East. Was there anything culturally that you had to really change about the business when you were setting up there?
1: Um, I mean, I guess every country has their own cultural differences, um, definitely so. And every country has its uh, good and the bad things in terms of operation and uh, doing businesses. And yes, indeed, it's true that you have to adapt, you have to be flexible. You also have the mindset that when you go to somebody's country and operate a business, you better do what they like and not what you prefer, because yeah. ultimately it's your choice not to be there. So it is that pre-acceptance, I guess, that you have to say that like going to the Middle East, you have to accept their culture and you can't say, well, in Singapore we do things this way. Uh, why are you not doing that way? It's it's not that. It is really their country. And if you want to operate it, operate your business there, we really need to have to have that open mindedness. Like every country operates differently, whether it's it banks or government officials or health authorities import custom duties and all that, they all have their own set of um, regulations and expectations of businesses. So we, we must have that because ultimately, there's a lot of things you can say, well, I compare it to Singapore, or I compare it to Hong Kong. There's no comparison because if once you start comparing, you get yourself into this, this um, state of mind that you know every day is a torture then for me it's better not to operate in overseas countries.
0: Yes. Yeah. Oh, fascinating. And one last question. What do you eat at home? Since you know so much about food. <laughs> what are you <laughs> going to eat at well, home? Well,
1: most of the products <laughs> is from in the guna. <laughs> of course. But uh I, I, I like to eat things which um, which I know that is not uh, how do you say it's not highly highly um, I won't say high because I also love my salamis and my sausages. So I do eat some part of those things.
0: Mm-hmm. But I
1: do want to make sure that like meats and fish are sustainable, they are natural, they are not fed with hormones or antibiotics. Mm-hmm. I probably forty percent as a vegetarian vegan now because I like I like it, not because I force myself to do it. But probably a meal a day at least I will be having my just my vegetables. Okay. Um, I do love my meat. Don't get me wrong, but I like to. I like to have that balance where maybe forty percent of my time I'm having uh, vegeta- vegetable, vegetable-based dishes. Yeah.
0: Fantastic. Okay, I think that's all my questions. Thank you so much for coming on today. So that is a wrap with our second Lunch with Auntie podcast. Um, thank you very much to Auntie Helene for being on it, and I hope everyone listening learned something. In this episode, we discuss quality versus scalability, changing trends towards um, food and markets in general, and explaining why research and development is so important, how to build a brand of quality, and as Auntie Helene was saying, quality is what brings back customers and brings back customers willing to pay a higher price how she had to deal with cultural paradigm shifts country to country and as a result why adaptability and flexibility is important and we also just found out a little bit more about her day-to-day life and what food she eats as a leader in food. Thank you so much for listening and I hope to catch you next week when we interview another successful female business leader.